the wrestling world lost a legend on October 1st. Former IWGP heavyweight and WWF heavyweight champion Antonio Inoki passed away. We here at Pro Wrestling Proverbs would first like to send our condolences to the family of Mr. Inoki and, and to his legion of fans that spread across the world. Wrestling and Japanese politics will surely not be the same without you. Pro wrestling is an ever-evolving industry, with encyclopedias being updated, documentaries being released, and relationships mended or destroyed. The attitudes and narratives of wrestling superstars begin to change. Individuals like The Ultimate Warrior, Bruno Sammartino, and others are brought back into prominence while the history of some of the other bright characters are being washed away or changed. Some are pigeonholed and being remembered for that one event or that one specific moment in time. Others become as insignificant as a crossword answer. My job as PWP's resident historian is to remind you of the impact that these individuals and teams left on the industry. This is PW Profiles. truly hit on is his influence in pro wrestling like um, Japanese wrestling within the past couple of years I mean I'd say since we probably started college really hit a boom here in America yeah um, with your Nakamura's your Okada's I mean even some of the Gaijin wrestlers like Kenny Omega and AJ Styles but when I think about Japanese wrestling I think of Ricky Dozen, I think of Mr. Noki and Giant Baba, who both respectively were just at the top of not only wrestling but promoting. And then I think of Kijimoto, who's retiring soon. He was just on AEW as the Great Muda. That's like the, I, I hate this term now because it's being overused so much, but the pillars of Japanese wrestling. And, I mean, like I said, he, he was trained by Ricky Dozen, which, for those that don't know, at one point, poss we'll possibly do a profile on him, or we'll talk about him some more. He was really the first big um, Japanese wrestler. Ironically enough, although he said he was from Japan, he was actually from Korea. Um, he credited with bringing the sport to Japan, uh, at a time when they desperately needed, like, that figurehead, that athlete. Um, I mean, he started as a sumo wrestler, became a, pro, became a pro wrestler, trained a lot of the eventual future stars, had a untimely death. Uh, it was about the time that his death happened that Anoki and Giant Baba both started really... Taking control, I guess you'd say, of Japanese wrestling. The good, I guess the easy comparison for those listening would be like a Ric Flair Hulk Hogan situation. They always 
were kind of compared main eventers, the top guys. Uh, Giant Baba was a giant Japanese wrestler. He teamed a lot with Andre the Giant, especially at the end of each of their lives. Um, Anoki, as you mentioned, uh, former IWGP champion. He actually helped run New Japan. He... There wasn't much this guy hadn't done. Besides being trained by Ricky Dozen, he was also trained by Carl Gotch, who helped train him in some, we call it catch-can wrestling here. And so this made Inoki, he's probably one of the better all-round wrestlers, kind of up there with a Luthez, where he could do the entertainment aspect, but if he needed to shoot on you, uh, you better watch out. An example of this is Anoki, after he got a little bit popular during his career, he would start having exhibitions with boxers, with amateur wrestlers, even with strongmen. And there was a strongman turned professional wrestler by the name of Antonio Barichevich, better known as the Great Antonio. And on December 8th, 1977, he started no-selling Anoki's attacks. So Anoki, you know, just an example, he'd slam him, Brichevich would get right back up. He'd hit him. He'd have no response. And stiffing Anoki, throwing potatoes, as it said. Um, Anoki responded by shooting on him, knocking him down with palm heel strikes and kicks, and then stomping his head repeatedly as he laid on the match before the match was, or as he laid on the mat before the match was stopped. So Anoki was not one to play with. Anoki also, as I said, popular all over the world. He came over to America. He fought some of the top stars here, and in kind of a retrospect thing, they would go over there and face him as well. Kind of how you would trade throughout the territories. Um, in 79, he actually defeated Bob Backlund to win the WWF title. But then Backlund won a rematch about a week later. So this was done, I mentioned this to you, off of the podcast. Yeah. Um, and an example would be Carlos Colon with the NWA title, Anoki here with this one. I know it happened in Australia. Um, it would also happen in the territories a lot, where you'd have your big star would quote-unquote beat the champion, and then it would either be dusty finished, so it would be reversed after he got to celebrate with the belt, or in this case, the champion would win the title back before the tour ended. Um, Corey Graves actually just mentioned this on TV a couple of days ago, which shows the regime change from McMahon to Triple H, because there's no way Vince would mention history that was erased from the record books. Right. Obviously, all that took place in a time where internet wasn't really a thing, and word doesn't yeah. spread around, so obviously that would happen. And I... With the Corey Graves thing, I wonder if that's something they'll recognize now. Like, yeah. Uh, now that he's I mean, passed away. Uh, it's not like it'd be kind of cool. Right. It'd be kind of cool to recognize that. I mean, but there'd be a lot of things they'd have to recognize. Because, I mean, just on a <laughs> side note, if, I mean, you figure Flair is a technically 21 time world champion. So that's okay. five reigns they'd have to add in. They get to pick and choose. They can pick and choose. Yeah. They... I mean, with the WWE, too, I read recently that they were going to give Nakamura a push. I wondered now, as a tribute to Anoki, if maybe they 
pull the trigger on it now. I mean, Nakamura, besides being probably one of the top Japanese wrestlers, um, was actually one of the men trained by Anoki. So it would kind of go hand in hand. I know, again, picking and choosing, WWE does this sometimes, where if someone's got a connection to someone who recently passed, or if an anniversary's coming up, then, I mean, they'll recognize it, they'll give them a push, give them a title, but sometimes they don't. I mean, I think of the... Around the time Dusty passed, um, a match was dedicated to him, and the person that dedicated it lost. So... Again, pick and choose. Um, before we get too much more into Anoki, I guess uh big question that always comes on one of these. Is there anything that you know about him? Or, uh, you know, when you hear the name Antonio Anoki pops up in your head? Uh, granted, as, as we talked about before and on our uh, New Japan crossover show with uh, Andy from Windley Mania, I don't know much about... Japanese wrestling, um, but I do know uh, he was one of the main figureheads that got the Collision in Korea pay-per-view yeah. uh, underway with WCW. Um, I've known his name. I know he. I've always uh, considered him like like the Hulk Hogan of Japanese wrestling. I would say yep. concerns of star power. I know. I think he he won the first IWGP championship, I believe. Is that correct? I don't Let know. me. I think I think he was the first. I think he won the he was, first. He was one of them. Let me. IWGP. Um, he was the first Japanese man to win it. Okay. Uh, surprisingly enough, because this was for the first IWGP title. So. What it would be is a big tournament, kind of like they have now. Um, interestingly enough, I didn't know this, at least not offhand, Hulk Hogan was the first to win it. And it looks like for the IWGP title, he and Anoki were the only two that held it for the original championship's reign. I think I think that's what I was... And then it looks like when they re-brought it back in 87 is when he... So, I mean, he wasn't the first, but he was the first in this current reign. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I knew he was involved somewhere yeah. with that. I just... Like I said, I... Whatever comes up, like, across Twitter or Reddit is essentially all right. of Japanese wrestling. I very rarely go out of my way looking at for it yeah i mean he he would have been one that when tape trading was a thing that people would have looked for not only for how good he was but because some of the names he was in the ring with i mean he was in there with hogan as i mentioned but you figure for wrestling that crossover would have been amazing the collision at korea he was there with flair the thing that i'll remember is on that dark side of the ring flair said that the crowd had no reaction to anything which, I mean, it's in Korea. It's it's probably like that the Saudi shows where they're told just to sit there and enjoy it. I know some Japanese promotions, you're supposed to be quiet to show respect. Um, but then he said Anoki came out when Anoki started doing moves. That was when they got out of their seat. This could be contributed to Ricky Dozen being his trainer and turning out Ricky Dozen being from Korea, that whole thing. But, I mean... Just the fact that he was the only one to make them react over a period of three days. 
just shows the influence that he had. Or two days, excuse me. Yeah. It makes you think, you know, North Korea is uh, the hermit kingdom, right? Like how much yeah. how much are they supposed to actually know about him without right black market media being snuggled in and word of mouth being spread about him? I'm assuming, I could be completely wrong on this, I'm assuming it's probably one of those, like, camp, like, or, I don't probably not a campfire, probably not camping out, but a fire, oh, like a fireside yeah. story, like, the the great Anoki, uh, like, and they tell I mean, tales of him, or... Especially, like I said, maybe in Train Barricky Dozen, being a partner of Giant Baba, being trained by Carl Gotch, fighting Hogan, fighting Flair... Um, for those of you, I'm sure that with his passing, you've heard of this, but it wasn't until now. He fought Muhammad Ali in what was one of the first big promoted wrestling versus boxers. Um, I was reading a little bit of it before, and it kind of paints Ali in a negative light. Kind of, kind of um, sounds like a bitch. Just say it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so, Noki knew all these, um... He knew pro wrestling, he knew the catch can style. A lot of people credit him as being an important influencer of modern shoot wrestling, so which would kind of be like strong style, um, especially because he faced people of many disciplines, boxers, judo, karate, kung fu, pro wrestler, sumo wrestler. He would do anything to try and get eyes on the product. Um, Muhammad Ali, uh, June 26, 1976, it was he and Ali... The reason that the match happened, from what I gathered, let's see if I can find this again. Uh, Muhammad Ali bragged to Ichiro Hata, who was president of the Japanese Amateur Wrestling Association. Isn't there any Oriental fighter who will challenge me? I'll give him a million dollars if he wins. Well, Anoki accepted. Um, Ali said he would call Anoki the Pelican. Because of his prominent chin, which Anoki responded, This is not damaged. And he presented Ali with a crutch to use after he had been thrown from the ring. Um, Ali's camp came to Anoki about six days before because they originally agreed to a worked match. Um, Ali never agreed to fix the fight. But it's said that they went to him, and they saw him using brutal kicks and grapples on sparring partners. And Ali asked him, so when do we do the rehearsal? To which Inoki said, this isn't an exhibition, this is a real fight. This then led Ali's camp to add instruction, or restrictions on Inoki. He wouldn't be allowed to throw, grapple, or tackle Ali. He couldn't land any kicks unless he had one knee on the mat, and Ali's camp demanded that the rules not be made public. Um, Don Drager, a judo expo expert and U.S. Marine, said that the rules have been seriously modified that this contest is no longer boxing versus wrestling. Unless this were done, there would be no way to choreograph the match and make it look convincing. Ali can grapple or punch the man down. Anoki is not allowed to leg dive or tackle. The latter restriction is the same as prohibiting Ali from drabbing. What a farce. On the other side of this, Bret Hart claimed that an employee of Anoki 
said that the black Muslims who were backing Ali made it clear that if Anoki laid a finger on their champion, they would kill him. That's why Anoki lay on his back for 15 rounds, kicking Ali in the shins and not using his hands. I know that sounds a little far-fetched. That kind of sounds like a pro-wrestling thing. But, I mean, I don't know if people now realize the kind of pull that Muhammad Ali had. I mean, especially within the black Muslim community. Like, he, at one time, was very close with Malcolm X. Really? So he... Yeah. There was... Um, there's a very good Malcolm X documentary on Netflix talking about him initially leaving the, I forget exactly what it was, if he went from the Nation of Islam, but I mean, let's not get too much into that, he, uh, but when his, he converted to Shia in the yeah. 90s, uh, while he was in Iraq, uh, but he also, he considers himself a, a Buddhist. Oh, Anoki? Yeah. Yeah, I'd say Anoki had a big um, pull. But then, like I said, um, Ali threatening, or them saying that the black Muslims could kill Anoki, I mean, I'm sure that was a possibility with the pull Ali truly had. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. It went to a no contest as a 15-round draw, kind of like how most of your... Boxer versus insert other sport here exhibitions go nowadays. I think if Anoki would have had the ability, I mean, even throw a normal kick, if this would have been a kickboxing match, I think he would have walked away with it. Um, but I mean, this was just one of the few things Anoki did, and he did everything to try and get his eyes on the product. And I mean, you mentioned his wrestling. But it wasn't even that, that that's all Anoki did. I mean, you mentioned his politics. He was in the, the House of Conciliars from 89 to 95 and from 2013 to 2019. I mean, he, he finally retired from politics in 2019. But you figured there was a about a 30-year span where he was somehow involved in politics. Which is why he was one of the bigger guys for the collision in Korea. He was always trying to repair that relationship between Japan and Korea. Again, this could be because Ricky Dozen was a mentor to him. And how Ricky Dozen had the unfortunate death. But I mean, Anoki was always doing something. This isn't a case of, you know, Jerry Lawler or Jesse Ventura getting into politics for, you know... A four to eight year span this was a large moment in his life he didn't stop wrestling during that time though um, he actually had his final countdown between 1994 and 1998 so a true retirement tour he relived some of the mixed martial of his mixed martial arts matches under professional wrestling rules he also had some rematches of some of his best well-known wrestling matches during this tour, um, he actually fought in WCW. Do you did you see on Twitter who he got to fight at Clash of Champions twenty eight? Um, I know I seen it. I forgot. 
he got to face at the time WCW television champion Steven Regal. So William Regal got to face Anoki in WCW in one of his few televised appearances. Which is why I found it cool when Regal brought Liger over for NXT. Because that was one of Liger's few American matches in like the 2000s. So it's almost in a way it came full circle. Um, Finally, in 98, Anoki defeated Don Fry, who is a mixed martial artist. He's an American actor. He's actually in a Godzilla film in uh, 2004. Uh, he defeated him in his official wrestling match of his pro wrestling career. But, like all good wrestlers, he came out of retirement. Yeah. In two thousand, yeah. I mean, in two thousand at a Ricky Dozen Memorial event, he Minoki um, was defeated by Hideki Takazawa, who is a Japanese record producer and former singer and actor. Uh, let's help that kayfabe, pal. Um, <laughs> later, during a New Year's Eve event, he wrestled a Brazilian mixed martial arts match against Renzo, oh, Renzo Gracie of the Gracie family. And finally, uh, let's see, 2001, he teamed with the great Sasuke to defeat Giant Silva, who, I'm not mistaken, yep, one of the oddities. And Red, White, and Hideki Takazawa. And later, in 2003, oh, excuse me, he he beat Silva and Red, White, and Mask. And two years later, 2003, Anoki wrestled the final match of his career facing Tatsumi Fujinami. Which, if that name sounds familiar, he was the Japanese wrestler... That won the WCW title. He won. He was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. He's currently signed to a Legends contract, and he was in one of the 2K games as a downloadable content. Um, other interesting notes about Anoki is that at one point he had a 51.5% stock in New Japan, and he sold that in 2005 to Ukes. And then finally in, let's see, 2010, he was inducted into the Hall of Fame. And that, he was inducted by Stan Hansen, one of the many people that he had feuds with. And from then on, he, I mean, he kind of stayed out of the limelight besides his politicking. Um, That's why it was such a, it was a shock to me that he was on the dark side of the ring. I mean, they get people here and there. Sure, they've had Flair, Kevin Von Erich, but I I don't tend to see the spoilers or anything on Twitter about Dark Side of the Ring. They keep that pretty good. So, you know, I see Bischoff talking, Too Cool Scorpio, Scott Norton. Then for Noki to sit down, I mean, I was even at awe. Because, like I said, you don't hear him talk a lot. I, I'm not aware of any shoots or interviews Noki had. But then again, being a promoter and being a politician, you can't really go out and just shit talk people. 
I mean, because he wasn't only representing New Japan, he would be representing, I mean, a lot of the times, the WWF. He was, so let's see, there was the Madison Square Garden Tag League, right? Isn't that what that is? Oh, um, the G1 Climax, the MSG League. And in 1980, he won the Tag League with Bob Backlund. 82, he won it with Hulk Hogan. 83, he won it with Hulk Hogan. And 84, he won it with Tatsumi Fujinami. Um, he was also multiple NWA Tag Team Champions. He was um, NWA Big Time Wrestling, which was in Texas. He was the Texas Heavyweight Champion. In Hollywood Wrestling, he was an American Tag Team Champion. Mid-America, he was Tag Team Champion with Hiro Matsuda, who would go on to manage the Four Horsemen. I think the biggest thing to talk about his career with, besides his Hall of Fame and his heavyweight titles, uh, every every so often the PWI, Pro Wrestling Insider, will talk about you know their top 100, top 500, and in 2003 they did the 500 best single wrestlers of the PWI years. You had Hogan, Flair, Bret Hart, Andre the Giant, and then Antonio Inoki. So you figure Hogan, who's regarded as one of the best, if not the best. Flair, who's regarded as one of the best, if not the best. Bret Hart, who arguably is the best pure wrestler who had been in the ring. And then Andre the Giant, who is possibly the best entertainer or spectacle in the industry. And then Inoki. And I think that's pretty good company to be in for someone that really isn't talked about when speaking about pro wrestling, shoot wrestling, strong style. I mean, the man helped train Bad News Brown, Brian Adams, who became Crush, the very first Tiger Mask, who helped revolutionize cruiserweight light heavyweight style oh who i mentioned earlier as the great muda masahiro chono who was the japanese leader of nwo japan as well as being an iwgp and an nwa world champion he trained shinsuke nakamura rocky romero ricky choju tatsumi fujinami Tian Bing, who was the first Japanese sign or Chinese signing to the WWE, and he even trained Goto. I mean, the list; those are just his bigger people that he's trained. I mean, the only way I can compare Anoki, he's got the promoting style of Vince McMahon, the training style of Vern Gagne, and then the wrestling style of Hogan. Plus, he could actually kick your ass in the ring. <laughs> I mean, like I said, at the beginning, there's not much he couldn't do. So I'm hoping, with his passing, that maybe, you know, WWE releases some sort of, something on Peacock. Like when Dusty went, they had matches of his to look at. When Randy Savage, um, they eventually put matches of his... Like, Inoki's one that I think should be showcased to the pro wrestling matches. I, I mean... I think they will, eventually. Dig I hope so. Yeah. I wonder who owns... 
like the IWGP video library? Like, is it the company themselves, or is there some former wrestler that owns a lot of it? Or does Jerry Lawler somehow own that one, too? Because it seems like he owns so many fucking libraries. I, I'll put my money on Jerry Lawler. Just because. He doesn't even know he owns it. Probably not. But, I mean, and you mentioned it earlier. I guess the last thing I'll end on... Um... You mentioned how he converted to Shia Islam. He took a pilgrimage to the um, Shia holy city in Iraq. And he was actually in Iraq negotiating the releases of several Japanese hostages. He, he, he got the hostages free from Saddam Hussein. It was in Iraq that he was bestowed the Islamic moniker Muhammad Hassan. Which makes me wonder, and I've thought about this, and I've wanted to talk to you about it. Okay. Do you know, is Muhammad Hassan a name like Bob Jones? Or did WWE <laughs> specifically call the one guy Muhammad Hassan to fuck with Antonio Inoki? Oh, whoa. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, like, because I, I, you hear about it all the time. You know, they called Virgil Virgil because of Dusty Rhodes. Um, I mean, in other promotions, oh, they're... We're, we're pronouncing it wrong. Is it not Hassan? It's Hussein. Oh, well, Muhammad still, Hussein. yeah. It's it, spelled it, the same, though. Uh, Muhammad Hassan is U-H-U-S-S-A-N. There still has There's to be some. I, there could I, don't be. I think so. I don't trust it, Vince. That's, that's too close, I'd say. I, well, I, yeah. Like, I've thought about that since I saw he passed and I saw his name, because that's technically, I mean, when you're rechristened it, no, that's, that's what you go by. So then when I saw that was his name... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's just interesting. But, like, uh, I, I guess ended on that. I mean, Anoki, wrestler, politician, promoter, trainer. He was a pretty influential uh, politician as well. I don't know yeah. how much. Uh, uh, he's, mostly, he's mostly known for his ties with uh, North Korea. Which, he was, he like was one I of the said, only Japanese politicians that would go over there. He went over there almost like 30 times, I think, in his uh, political career. And it kind of it kind of brought him some backlash uh, in mm -hmm. Japanese media, uh, especially since, if, I don't know if you remember, I think it's, it could still be ongoing, but I know it was a big deal a while ago. Uh, Japanese people were being kidnapped uh, yeah. in North Korea. Well, I mean, it, it's funny you mentioned that. I mean, I mentioned Don Fry earlier with the Godzilla connection. A small little, you know, offshoot. Um, one of the Kim Jongs, I don't know exactly which one, kidnapped someone who worked on the Godzilla films to make a Godzilla film for Korea where Kim Jong ended up being the hero and stopping the monster. It's called Polgaseri. Okay. Um, 
So it was Kim Sung. Uh, yeah. Let's see. On the orders of Kim Jong-il, son of ruling, he coerced him into making several films. This was one, and it was like it's clearly if you look at Polgaseri, it's a Godzilla suit and they added horns. Um, but it made the Kim Jongs the heroes, which you hear a lot about anyway. But yeah, I know the Japanese thing. I mean, the fact that Anoki went there. I mean, I'm sure that's probably why he dropped out of politics for a little bit, but then to go back. I think that has to show how much respect they have for him, because I'm sure any other Japanese politician probably would have been. I'm I, I, I'm going to say, in my opinion, probably would have been kidnapped and killed themselves. And Anoki kept going back. And like I said, it could be because of his trainer being Ricky Dozen. Yeah. But that's mostly it. That's the whole reason. So like he has a true that. connector. There's a true connection. But I mean, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of tributes within Japanese wrestling. Like I said, it's, I wouldn't it's, be... It's already starting. I've seen a mm -hmm. bunch of uh, uh, moments of silence, 10 bells to lose, all that. Yeah, this is this is a big one. This is You compared him to Hogan. This would be like if Hogan went here in America. Even promotions that he didn't work for or didn't found he is getting the respect just because of who he is. And who knows, by the time this comes out, or maybe in a few weeks, the WWE will recognize him, which would be fun, because then I believe he, well, yeah, for sure, he'd be the first Japanese, Amer Japanese WWF champion. Which I think with how timelines go, which I don't have the NWA timeline up, I think that would make him the first Japanese man to win an American heavyweight championship. I, I'm looking on... Unless Ricky Dozen did it. But, I don't think so. Uh, no, it doesn't look like he really won a big heavyweight title anyway. Yeah, I think Anoki would have been. So that'll be a big coup. It's not looking too promising. Uh, I'm, I'm reading the like, obituary that yeah that we posted, and they don't mention anything about the championship, other than um, he utilized talented Japanese competitors like Tatsumi Fujinami. Uh, and invited five players like Tiger Max and Dynamite Kid and American superstars like Bob Backlund and Vader. That's the only, that's the only uh, kind of reference to it. You can hear it now. Shinsuke won a heavyweight title. They'll, they'll separate him for the branch split. Shinsuke will win it. And then Corey Graves can talk about how Shinsuke's made his mentor proud, being the first Japanese heavyweight champion in the WWE. Something that his mentor did, but was never recognized for. Yep, get ready for that. I will. But uh, any any closing comments on losing this uh, this legend of wrestling? I mean, the only thing I could think is Hulk Hogan. You outlived another. <laughs> well, 
I was, I was going to say something like, uh, it's just another crazy news, wrestling news headline. Yeah, this year's uh, 20, been nuts. 2022. Um, like I think I think like in any other year, this would probably be like one of the biggest stories. Right? But not this year. No, I mean, Ric Flair's came back. CM Punk seemingly walked out again. Stone Cold came back. Vince McMahon retired. I wonder where I could hear episodes about all of these things. Hmm. I know. You can go to... Where? Uh, Linktree slash Pro Wrestling Proverbs, and there's a little uh, podcast button there, and it has all those episodes and more uh, for your listening uh, entertainment. Really? Uh, and also while you're there, uh, you can follow uh, the podcast on social medias like Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and TikTok, and their uh, YouTube channel, which has uh, our best podcast episodes and a series that Logan uh, has created and this will also be a part of it. It's kind of like a special longer version of it. Yeah. PW Profiles where Logan profiles uh, wrestlers who don't necessarily get the recognition they deserve in uh, the wrestling conversation today. And I'm gonna I'm gonna try something here at the end. Mr. Anoki yeah, Suraka ni Nimaru. Which, for those wondering, how to say rest in peace in Japanese. 